Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, happy 4th of July weekend, Independence Day weekend. Uh, You know, one of the things I realized yesterday when we were watching that video is at the end it says one nation under God, and I realized that a nation cannot be under God unless its people are under God. Because a nation is just a group of people with common held beliefs and convictions and a constitution, and they hold to those things, those social contracts. But only when a nation, only when the people of a nation are under God is a nation truly under God. And and in this series, what we've learned is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And therefore, Jesus is the one in which we find everything. And so community and nation and all of that was, was found in Jesus. He created those things. It's an incredible, incredible thing. But not everybody is believing in Jesus or trusting in Jesus. And that's part of what God has commissioned us to do. In fact, that's the mission of New Life Christian Ministries is to share the new life of Jesus with the world one person at a time. And that happens everywhere we go, whether it's here or whether it's home, whether we're going to a picnic today or wherever it is that we go, we are ambassadors for Jesus. And it's an incredible thing that in Jesus, everything is holding together. In fact, uh, that's what I've loved most about this series is that from the tiniest atom to the biggest galaxy, the farthest away from us, Jesus holds it all together. In fact, in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Isaiah. He was a prophet. And here's what he said about God. He said, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Who has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Now, this is an incredible thing because since the time I was really kind of a young teenage guy, I can remember a pastor telling, telling me that verse this way, that God holds everything in his hands and he can measure it all between his thumb and his pinky, and that's gnarly, you know? So that's why, that's why I remember that, right? God can, can measure the breadth of the heavens. That means everything that has been created, he can fit between his thumb and his pinky. And so what Isaiah was saying is this is that God is big. Okay? God's big. God's big. I mean, if he can measure everything between his thumb and his pinky, then he's huge. But in his bigness, it's his bigness actually that allows him also to be close to us. Look what Isaiah said just a couple of chapters later, he said, O Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will grow weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Now, what Isaiah is pointing out here is this. In God's bigness, he still holds our lives together. Okay, that's us right there. Cute little guy with no feet. 
and no hands, okay? God holds us together in the spectrum of the heavens between his thumb and his pinky. It's an incredible thing. And that's what we've been learning through this series, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And he cares so deeply for us. It's awesome, and it's powerful, and it's incredible. So today, we're going to continue in this series. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 6 through 15. And here's what we're going to discover today, because God's bigness, and in his bigness, his closeness, he has given to us something incredible in Jesus. He has given us a new life, and he's called us to live a full life committed to him. And that is what we're going to refer to today as the victorious life. God has called us to live a victorious life, and so today what we're going to do is we're going to go look at Colossians 2, 6 through 15, and we're going to see how the Apostle Paul breaks down to the Colossians how to live a victorious life. In fact, that's my message title for today, how to live a victorious life. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to get it out or a smartphone. You can navigate to your Bible app and um, go to Colossians 2, verse 6 through 15. If you have the study guide, it's on pages 16 and 17. So you can follow along with us there. It'll be on the screen as well if you don't have any of those things. That's okay. Uh, We still want you to to follow along because today is such an important day when it comes to understanding how we can find victory in this life. So let's look now at verse 6 of Colossians chapter 2. Paul's writing to the Colossian church and he says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, the first thing that Paul points out about the victorious life is that it begins with Jesus. See what he said. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. Paul uses two very important words in the first part of this passage. He uses the word accepted, and he uses the word Lord. And what the word accepted means here in the Greek, literally, it means to welcome into or receive or to to receive to oneself. It means basically this. How many of you, um, if I said your best friend right now, picture your best friend. You can picture your best friend in your head. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? But you can picture your best friend in your head, right? Your best friend, my best friend, his name was Jimmy. Um, Jimmy knew everything about me. Jimmy knew my parents. He knew my grandparents. He knew my, my brothers and sisters. He knew way too much about me, actually. Um, Jimmy knew what made me um, sad. He knew what made me happy. And he really knew what made me mad. And I hated that about him. Um, but Jimmy was, a, was my best friend. And he accepted me for who I was. But he welcomed me into his life. And I, we did things together all the time. We played Spotlight. We worked on trucks, which was so boring to me. Um, but I still did it anyway because it was a great time to hang out and talk, and I could um, kind of dance in the back of his truck like a gangster sometimes, and that was really, really cool because we listened to rap music, and, you know, it's awesome. I miss those days. Um, but anyway, so, so we used to do all of this stuff together, and we, were, we accepted one another in our lives. That is what happens when we accept people into our lives, and that's what happens when we accept Jesus into our lives. He becomes our friend In fact, Jesus himself said it in the Gospel of John. Here's what he said. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So when we accept Jesus, when we receive him into our life, he becomes our friend. But more importantly and more primarily, Paul continues on, accepted him as Lord. Jesus becomes our Lord So even though we can talk to Jesus like a friend, we still need to yield to him 
as our Lord. And that can be tough sometimes. But if we want to live a victorious life, we need to listen to the Creator and see how it, how it is to live in this world. So that's what it means to accept Him and welcome Him in and make Him the Lord, which literally means master or owner. So we do what He says to do, even when we don't understand what that means. And when it comes to living the victorious life, we have to continue to follow him daily. In fact, that's what Paul told the Colossians. He said, you must continue to follow him. You must continue to follow him. Now, there are two meanings for the word follow, okay? There's the literal meaning, which means that you might get up from here and uh, uh, follow somebody out of the door and then uh, follow them out into the parking lot and then maybe follow them down the street. And if you don't know them, that's real creepy, all right? So I don't recommend doing that. You could get arrested, okay? So that's one word of following. But another meaning for follow is this. When, when we follow somebody because we like what we see in their actions or maybe what we see um, uh, in their priorities or in their ideas. And so we follow. In fact, that's kind of what Twitter is based on, actually. I, I don't know if many of you know what Twitter is, but it's a website where people post things on all the time. If you don't know what Twitter is, you need to go on Google and you need to Wikipedia Twitter, Okay. And if you don't know what Wikipedia is, you're in trouble because I don't think it's an Encyclopedia Britannica, okay? So, so but Twitter's this place where all these people, they create these accounts and they make these posts and they, they put the posts online and, and what they post is, hey, I'm going and doing this or, hey, I was thinking about this or uh, this is really important to me. And so people post this stuff on Twitter and then they, they get followers which is people who kind of find solidarity with what they're saying and say, yeah, I believe that or I like that and I, you know, I'm going to follow that, I'm going to retweet that or whatever. And so on Twitter, people follow each other. It's kind of a cool thing. But that's what Paul is meaning here when he says continue to follow Jesus. To continue to follow Jesus means that we're going to make Jesus' actions, his ideas, and his priorities our actions, ideas, and priorities. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to make him our Lord, to do what he did, to think like he thought, and to hold dear what he holds dear. And we continue to do that. And Paul kind of breaks out, how, how does that begin to happen? How do we make Jesus, how do we follow Jesus completely and find out that victorious life? He says in verse 7, he says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. That's how it happens. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. So Paul uses two illustrations. The first one is that of roots, right? And we know what roots do, right? Roots go down into the ground and they get nourishment for the plant. And they bring the nourishment up into the plant so that it can thrive. And that's what Paul says we need to do as we follow Jesus. We need to let our roots grow down deep into Jesus so that we can get our nourishment from him, so we can know that our provision comes from the Lord alone. And then Paul switches to a different illustration. He says, and let your lives be built on him or build your lives on him. So we continue then to build our lives on this solid foundation because Jesus is a foundation for our lives that will never shift it will never crack. It will never leak. It is a perfect foundation to build our lives upon. And it's something we need to continually do every day. In fact, as I was thinking about this illustration that Paul used here, I, I was thinking about when I go walking sometimes down on rails to trails, which is a, a kind of a bike path near here, I, I walk down there and, and I see a tree that is 
growing on a rock. Have any of you ever seen this? Where a tree's growing on a rock, and it just, its roots are just grabbing the rock for, like, dear life. Have you ever seen that? It's just an incredible thing. In fact, I'm amazed at how that tree even grows on that rock. But that's what I picture here, that, that that tree is getting its roots down deep into the dirt under the rock, and it's finding its nourishment down there, but it's built and it's firmly planted on that rock, and that rock isn't going to move. I mean, if that rock moves, it's a bad day, okay? That's what I picture. That's what our lives need to be like. We need to be taking our nourishment from Jesus, and we need to build our lives on him. That's what Paul was saying. If you want to have a victorious life, that's how it happens. And here's why, Paul says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and not from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Paul's, Paul's pointing out here that we need to have that firm foundation because here's what's going to happen in this world. There are going to be ideas thrown at us all the time. It happens. Some of you, even right now, you might be getting a tweet or something on your phone and you're going, oh, that's, uh, that's crazy, you know, news story, whatever, and you're getting bombarded with an idea or with a marketing campaign or with whatever it is, but we get bombarded with all of this stuff, and most of it is empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense. And Paul uses a very strong word here. He uses the word capture. He says, don't be captured by this stuff because, because it's deadly. You know, most of us, when we think capture, we think, you know, capture with intent to kill, Right? That's what we think. We're going to capture something in a cage and we're going to kill it because it's dangerous. But in this sense here, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul is saying here the word capture means literally that, that, will be, that it will be taken control of and robbed. So Paul is saying, listen, don't embrace the world's ideas because when we embrace the world's ideas, here's what happens. We, we get taken control of and then we get robbed of the life that God has for us. And it happens all the time. And we know that, don't we? We, we follow down a path once or twice or several times, and, and we think that it's going to bring fulfillment, and then it's just empty at the end. You're like, man, I just wasted a ton of money. I wasted a ton of time. I, I wasted friendships. I wasted whatever on this empty philosophy and this broken idea that came from the world. And so Paul says, don't get captured by that. Don't get captured by that. Because God has a different life for you, a victorious life. And so what we need to do is we need to know how do we determine what an, which an idea is, is from uh, the world and what ideas are from God. And so I want to present to you three questions I believe that Paul makes clear here that we can ask when it comes to an idea that we're contemplating allowing into our life. Because remember, if we get captured by empty philosophies or high-sounding nonsense, they're going to they're gonna take control of us and rob us. And so we need to be found, let our roots grow down deep and build our foundation on Jesus and ask these questions. So here's the first one. Does the idea come from human thinking only? Does the idea come from human thinking only? Paul said, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking. Now, there's a really easy way to know if something is human thinking only. Find it in this book. If there's an idea that is presented and it's not represented in this book, it's most likely an idea from the world. Or maybe the direct opposite is presented in this book. It is most likely an idea from the world. For instance, two weeks ago, the Supreme Court of the United States made a decision that came from human thinking. And I'll admit, on the outside, it looks fair. 
I'm for equal rights. I think that's a good thing, okay? But God created sexuality different than everything else. Sexuality was designed by God to work a certain way, and that way is presented in this book. And that's what we follow, and that's what we hold to. And so when we look at that idea, which sounds good on the outside, it really does. When you dig down deep into it, you find that it is against God's design for human beings. And therefore, comes from human thinking only. So, it's a worldly idea that sneaks its way in. And that's what the enemy's doing. He wants to sneak in. The second question we can ask is, does the idea promote self-centeredness? Paul said, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. Now, you may be asking, Pastor, I don't see self in there at all. I don't see selfishness. I don't, certainly don't see self-centeredness. And, and, and that's true, you don't. But what you do see is the spiritual powers of this world. Now, that literally in the Greek means the elemental principles or the elemental spirits that are at work in this world. And and what it is is this. Basically, God created everything good and right in the beginning. And God was in a perfect relationship with with his creation at the beginning of time. And then Satan came along and Satan told Eve, Adam and Eve were the first two people created. Satan told Eve, Eve, go eat from that tree that God said not to eat from because you won't die. You won't die from eating that tree. That's what God said. You'll, you'll die if you, from that tree. And, and, and Eve said, you know, or Satan said, you won't die. You won't die if you eat from that tree. You'll be like God. And I mean, that's appealing, right? All of us want to be like God, don't we? In fact, Eve, what she heard was, I can be God. I can be, and certainly all of us want to be God. I mean, if you don't want to be God, I don't know. That's crazy. I want to be God sometimes. I mean, it would be great to make things happen my way. It'd be awesome. All of us, we, we want to be God. That comes from our natural desire, and it comes from that sin because the sin entered the world, and, and Satan deceived Eve in that moment, and Eve broke the law of God. And then she gave it to Adam, and Adam sinned, and sin came into the world, and sin always promotes selfishness because it puts our priorities above God's priorities. That's what sin does. It promotes the self. So if an idea comes to us from the world... And we need to look at it and say, you know, does this idea promote me, 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 me? Because if it does, it could, could very well be a worldly idea. And we need to throw it away. What's in it for me? What's good for me? It's all about me. Me, me, me. Self-promotion. If it doesn't mention this is good for me because I can bless other people or because I can share Jesus with more people or all of that stuff, it most likely is coming from the world. So that's the second question we can ask. The third question we can ask, and this one is the most clear, is this. Does the idea come from Jesus? Does the idea come from Jesus? Paul said, don't, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And we can do that easily because we can go to the Word of God and we can open it up and we can see what Jesus said about things. We can look and say, oh, what did Jesus say about anger, really? What did Jesus say about lust? What did Jesus say about money? What did Jesus say about marriage? What did Jesus say about pretty much anything? And we can find it in there. And we can go, you know what? This, this is something Jesus would uphold. This is something Jesus would condone. Therefore, I'm going to support it. That is what it means to follow Jesus. We are taking his actions, his ideas, his priorities, making them our own. And so we're following him in that. But if it doesn't match up, if it doesn't line up, then we need to throw it away as a worldly 
idea. Okay, so Paul says we have to watch out that we're not captured. We need to be grounded if we want to live a victorious life. And Paul explains exactly how it happens. Here's what he says, beginning in verse 11. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the power of the mighty God who raised Christ from the dead. And I'm going to go back to verse 9 because I skipped over that, and I don't want to skip over it. It's important. It says this, For in Christ all the fullness of God in a human body, so you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So when we accept Jesus as our Lord, he be, we, we are unified to him. And in that union, an amazing thing happens. He cuts away our sinful nature because we now receive his nature, his new life, and we are made right with God. So what that means is that when God sees us, he sees Jesus and can welcome us then into his family. It doesn't mean we're perfect yet. Certainly not. That has the, the, the first issue is an issue of justification. The second issue is an issue of sanctification. It's just a big word for acting more like Jesus, letting God transform us into the image of Jesus. And that's what happens as we continue to follow him. But in that moment, when we believe Jesus, we leave the realm of darkness and come into the light. Because you see, we're all controlled by something. Some, some people are literally controlled by demons. Others are controlled by sinful nature. All of us struggle with that. doesn't matter who we are, where we're from. But there are those who trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. They are controlled by the Lord Jesus. And he is the one who leads. And he is the one who is the head over everything. He is the one who created everything. He is the head over every ruler and authority that we can see and that we can't see. You see, because here's the thing. We're in a battle every day. It's not just a battle. It's a war that's been going on for thousands of years. And the war is not against people. It might seem that way at times, but it's not. The war is against spiritual powers. That's how, that's how Satan works. He, he propagates his ideas spiritually through people. Because if people aren't under the control of Jesus, he can get his ideas pushed through in them. And that's how it works. And that's why Paul says we need to have that foundation. Because in Jesus, we find already freedom and life. And we can have foundation on him because he raised Christ from the dead. So when it comes to living a victorious life, Paul makes sure we understand something really important, that apart from Jesus, we're dead. Here's what he said in verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Now, Paul presents two reasons why we're spiritually dead. First, we're dead because of our sin. Now, I want you to think of it this way, okay? Picture a big tree that's thriving and, and uh, it's growing well and, and it's doing really, really well. But on, under that tree are some branches. And those branches are, are not doing well. They're, they're, they've just fallen off. They're, they're kind of dead looking. Um, those branches are separated from that tree. You see, in our natural state, when we were born into the world, that's, that's what we are. We are naturally separated from God. And those branches can't get up by themselves and put, you know, get, get life from a tree. They can't do that. They have to have a gardener who comes and picks up the branch and puts it back into the tree where the tree can give life to the branch. And then Paul says, you're dead because of your sins and also because of the sinful nature that was not cut away. 
When a gardener picks up a, a dead branch or a branch that just recently was separated from a tree, he'll pick it up and he'll cut it in such a way that he can put it back onto the tree and wrap stuff around it that will help it grow, and that branch will graft back into the tree. It's a pretty cool thing, pretty neat process. Can't really explain it, but what I do know is it happens, and it happens for us spiritually, that we are naturally dead in our sins, and our sinful nature has to be cut away so that we can be grafted back into the relationship with God that we were created for, and from him we thrive in this life. It's an incredible thing that happens. Paul says, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So like that branch, God makes us right with himself. He makes us alive with himself by taking care of the issue that we all have, that sin nature. It was nailed to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus, who was perfect in every way, never sinned, bore the wrath of God. And there he endured my scorn, my shame, my sin. And he did the same for all of us. That we might be free in him. And that's what Paul's saying. That record here, it's been wiped clean. It's been wiped clean. We're right before God. And then he says this, and this is, he sums it up, and this is just a beautiful statement. He said, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And this is what I want you to hear today, okay? When we trust Jesus and accept him as our Lord and Savior in our life, we receive his power through the Holy Spirit. And when we receive his power, we, re we receive the dethronement of, of the, the enemy over our lives. Because God has disarmed the enemy through the cross. And we have the power of God living in us to live a victorious life every day. And it comes by growing deep in him. In fact, that's our take-home point for today. Growing deep leads to lives that will keep. Growing deep leads to lives that will keep. And, and here's the reason why. When a tree doesn't have a good root system or a house doesn't have a good foundation, when a storm comes or an idea comes and it blows over the house or the tree, it's going to get annihilated if it's powerful enough. Eventually, that house will fall down, the tree will fall down, and it'll die. But a tree with a good root system and a house with a solid foundation will stand really, really hard storms. Yeah, they may sway a little bit here and there, but they're going to remain solid relying on their root system or their foundation. And that's what we need in our lives because we are getting bombarded every day by the enemy with all of this stuff, these ideas, these temptations, this whatever it is, every day. And we need victory. And it comes by growing deep into Jesus and letting our foundation and building on that foundation, but letting that foundation be him and not us. And so how that happens is simply this. We just trust Jesus every day more than we did the day before. Trust him in areas that we've never trusted him before. God, I'm going to trust you in my finances. God, I'm going to trust you in my family. God, I'm going to trust you in my work situation. Whatever it is, we're going to trust God where we haven't trusted him before. And we're going to grow deep. And we're going to learn from his word 
how he said to live because he's the creator. And when we follow his way, we receive his life. Jesus said he had come to give life and life to the full, a full life, an incredible life, but that Satan was coming that he might kill you, destroy you, and basically wipe you out as much as he can because he hates you. He's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you a bunch of empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that are going to sound like the truth. But we need to be rooted in Jesus enough that we can know, now I'm going to follow Jesus here. I'm going to trust Jesus here, even though it's hard in this moment. In fact, our commitment for today says this. I will live a victorious life by daily trusting Jesus more and more this week. A victorious life comes by growing deep and living lives that will keep. It comes by remembering that, yeah, God's big, but it's his bigness that allows him to be close to us. And remembering that Jesus, plus nothing, is everything for us. So today, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in this time, I want to encourage you to do that. Because if you want to live a victorious life, it starts there, by accepting him as your Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that all of us who were once dead can be alive in you. And those of us who have trusted you are alive in you right now. And God, I pray that we will grow deep into, into you and that we will build our lives upon you and that you will be our foundation. And God, I pray every day this week for all of us, that we will trust you more and more in every way that you would truly be our Lord and our God. And Father, thank you for giving us that opportunity by simply trusting you, by simply believing, Jesus said, in you, believing in Jesus that we receive that life. And so now I pray for those who maybe in this moment are just saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to be my Lord, and I welcome you today. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts now, and I thank you for that. We celebrate in Jesus' name. Amen.